Good morning, Christ Church. Welcome to worship on this Lord's Day. Uh, this is our last 8.30 service for a while. Uh, next Sunday, we transition to our summer service times of 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock without Sunday school, which will be on break for the summer until Labor Day. So if you show up at 8.30 next week, then you are here early to pray, which is a good thing. Or you can just come at 9 a.m. Uh, also, just a few announcements to put on your radar. Uh, there's a blood drive this Tuesday uh, from 3 to 7 p.m. Blood, blood bank supplies are critically low, so you can sign up in the Welcome Center or on the link that's on the website so that you can help come and share the gift of life with those in need. Also today, one of our missionaries, Daniel Aguilus, is here with us today. He's a missionary in Peru and has deep connections with us at Christ Church. Daniel, would you stand quickly so people can welcome you? Uh, yes, to welcome him. Uh, and he's going to be in the atrium after each service, so you can greet him uh, there and learn more about his ministry. Um, today is also Ascension Sunday. Ascension Sunday is that day where we remember that Jesus left, but he didn't leave for no reason. He left to go back to heaven where he rules and reigns. And this Ascension Sunday uh, feels a little bit different maybe for some of you. For me, uh, we lost three leaders in our denomination, the PCA, this week. Stephen Smallman was a pastor who wrote uh, a curriculum for catechism that our children use here at Christ Church. Harry Reeder was the pastor at Briarwood, which is a big PCA church uh, in the South. And then, of course, Tim Keller, who was uh, very uh, personally impactful to many of us as he brought the gospel to bear on all of life through faithful ministry in New York and beyond. Why does that matter and how does that connect to Ascension Sunday? Well, it's always hard losing fathers or mothers in the faith. And it's hard when Jesus, for the disciples, went from being with them to no longer being with them. But the good news is that if Jesus is not physically here, he is in heaven, ruling and reigning. So our fathers and mothers in the faith that have left the earth are now present with Jesus. And that is good news. We can worship a Jesus who is still at work in our world and will one day make all things new. That is our gospel hope that we long for. So as we prepare our hearts to worship, you'll find a silent meditation in your bulletin from Hebrews chapter 4. Take a moment, read through it, prepare your hearts for worship this morning.
that passage from Hebrew, Hebrews reminds us that Jesus is our high priest, so compassionate, praying for us, walking with us. But Jesus is also our king, worthy of all of our worship. God calls us to worship him because it's good for us to worship the king of the universe. So God calls us to worship this morning from the book of Acts chapter 1 saying this in the first book O Theophilus I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God and while staying with them he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said you heard from me for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now so when they had come together they asked him Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel he said to them it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Brothers and sisters, we look forward to that day when Christ returns and we are reunited with him. Let's respond by singing uh, hymn number 290 from the Trinity hymnal, Hail the Day That Sees Him Rise. Stand in body or spirit and let's sing.
join me in prayer. Father God, we come before you in awe. In awe of the way that you have been building your kingdom for so many years and continue to build your kingdom and by your grace draw us and call us into your kingdom. We're grateful and our hearts respond in grateful worship. We also pray knowing our need for you. We feel the suffering of this world. We feel our own sin at war within, within us. We feel our need for Jesus. And we thank you that you've given to him to us as our great high priest who walks with us and prays for us. And we confess, God, there are times where we feel like we have been left all alone by you. And yet you remind us that this isn't true. That you've given the gift of your Holy Spirit to be present with us. So we pray. When things are going well, that we would praise you. When things feel heavy, that we would cry out to you and lament. And in all things... We would give you the glory that is due to your name because you are our loving father, our almighty king. You deserve every bit of our worship. So we pray that today you would tune our hearts to sing your praise. And in doing so, we would receive your grace. We pray this in Jesus name by your spirit. Amen. You may be seated.
We come now to the point in our service of gospel renewal, where we are reminded of the things that we already know are true, that our Father is a God who draws us to himself, forgives us of our sins, cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And yet, we continue to sin, so we continue to confess, because we have a God who is already forgiven and continues to remind us of his forgiveness. We're called to confession by a passage in the book of Joel, chapter 2 today. God's word says this, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. This is the kind of God that it is easy to come to in confession, one who we already know will forgive us and has forgiven us. So there's no reason not to. For our prayer to confession, I'm going to read an adapted version of a prayer from the Valley of Vision called Continual Repentance. I was thinking about it this week because it picks up on these themes of garments and of the prodigal son, which was uh, a transformative uh, passage in scripture that Tim Keller talked about often, how God, uh, how in Jesus, God went out to meet us in the far country and bring us home to the reception of joy in the Father. So uh, would you pray with me as I read this prayer of confession together, and afterwards you'll have a few moments to silently offer your own prayer of confession to our Father who hears us and forgives. O God of grace, you have imputed our sin to our substitute, and you have imputed his righteousness to our souls. You have clothed us with a bridegroom's robe and decked us with, in jewels of holiness. But in our Christian walks, we are still in rags. Our best prayers are stained with sin. Our penitential tears are so much impurity. We need to repent of our repentance. We need our tears to be washed. We have no robe to cover our sins no loom to weave our own righteousness. We're always standing clothed in filthy garments. And by grace, we're always receiving a change of clothes. For you always justify the ungodly. We're always going into the far country and always returning home as a prodigal. Always saying, Father, forgive us. And you are always bringing forth the best robe. Every morning, let us wear it. Every evening, return in it. Let us go out in the day's work in it. Be married in it. Be wound in death in it. Stand before the great white throne in it. Enter heaven in it, shining as the sun. Help us never lose sight of the exceeding sinfulness of sin, the exceeding righteousness of salvation, the exceeding glory of Christ, the exceeding beauty of holiness, the exceeding wonder of grace. Take a moment now to confess your sins before God.
Father God, we are thankful that you hear our prayers, that you forgive our sins, and that you call us sons and daughters through the finished work of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God's word is clear. He offers definitive forgiveness for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says, There is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Brothers and sisters, if you trust Christ, if your faith is in Jesus, then you can know that your sins are forgiven, that he died for you, that he mediates between you and the Father, that your sins are no longer held against you, that you are indeed forgiven. This is the good news of the gospel. Amen? Amen. This morning... Good morning from me as well. Uh, but this morning we have the opportunity to receive a, a number of new members into Christ Church and also to administer the sacrament of baptism to five people this morning, three at this first service and, and two in the second service. Um, some of you know, and I know a lot of our young people know, uh, we've been working through that catechism book uh, that Steve Smallman wrote, as Michael mentioned. Uh, what is a, a sacrament? A sacrament is a, a holy sign or ordinance instituted by Christ, wherein uh, Christ and the, the benefits of the new covenant are, by sensible signs, sealed and applied to believers. They are received by faith. Uh, and they work in our lives in order to remind us that we are not our own, but we are bought with a price. And, and the good news is, is that Christ continues to work in our hearts and lives. Um, this morning, we have the opportunity to administer this sacrament of baptism to uh, two young people that are coming on virtue of their own profession of faith that they made to the elders. They have never been baptized and will be receiving this sacrament uh, for the first time. And then also to an infant member of the congregation uh, who, as by virtue of being part of the covenant through her parents' faith, uh, also will be receiving this sign. What, what is the sign of baptism? Uh, baptism is a sacrament wherein, by the washing of water in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are signified and sealed as to that belonging to Christ, uh, partaking of the benefits of the covenant of grace and our engagement to be the, uh, to be the Lord's. I always think about this whenever we're doing baptism, you know, the, the two sacraments are a little bit different. The Lord's Supper, we all participate in it actively. Uh, we're taking the, the bread, the cup, we're, we're uh, participating very physically. Baptism, uh, there's only going to be three people baptized this morning, but yet we are all participants. 
Uh, if you are a believer here, you have that moment when you were baptized, whether it was by an infant or, or as an infant or as, a, as an adult. And that baptism continues real for you now as you receive it by faith. You remember not just what you have said or done. One of the things I love about infant baptism is we don't say or do anything. But God is the one who is the primary speaker, uh, and he is the one who has made these promises to us and continues to seal them to our hearts as we receive them by faith. So I'll invite uh, the Tennies up uh, along with the Martins, uh, also the elders of the church. It's been a great process. We've done these communicants classes, and uh, the elders have been able to be involved with these young people. And of course, we uh, meet with and interview all of these folks uh, as they come and just are delighted to hear their testimonies of faith. Come on up. David and Keely Tenney. Gracie, hey sweetie, how you doing? Uh, and, and Millie, Amelia, uh, and these are the Martins, Kevin, Sarah, Poppy, Aiden, and Judah. Uh, why don't we do uh, the Martins first? Uh, we will receive them as, as members this morning, the entire family, and then, as I mentioned, Poppy and Aiden will receive the sacrament of baptism. I'll ask you these questions, and, and all of you can answer to these uh, questions. Do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure without hope, except for through his sovereign mercy? Do you? And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Savior of sinners? And do you receive and trust him alone for salvation as he is offered to you in the gospel? Do you? And do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance on the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ? Do you? And do you promise to support the church and its worship and work to the best of your ability? And do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the church and promise to strive for its purity and its peace? Do you? You receive these uh, brothers and sisters of yours as fellow members of the body of Christ. Do you therefore promise to live with them and care for them according to the work of God, the grace of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit poured out upon us? Christ Church, uh, if this is your intent, answer from the bottom of your heart with a hearty amen. 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 Why don't you all just step forward a little bit. Well, yeah, you could go, that's fine. Uh, come on up. Aiden, why don't you take a, a kneel here? Poppy, why don't you take a kneel over there? Uh, these folks, uh, as I've said, have made a profession of faith, and it is a delight uh, to see young people with hearts uh, that are directed toward the Lord. One of our uh, phrases from our text this morning in 1 Samuel 7, as you'll see, and as they receive this sacrament of baptism, and I will say for both of you, as you receive this sacrament of baptism, uh, my prayer is not so much that you would remember your profession of faith, uh, 
uh, but that you would remember God's promise to be your God all the days of your life. Poppy chose uh, Jeremiah 29. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Aiden chose from Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. I baptize you, Poppy Martin, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Aiden Martin, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, as we lay our hands on this sister and this brother, as we receive this family to membership this morning, we do pray that you would abide with them all the days of their life, and that by this sacrament, uh, it would be both signified and sealed to them uh, that they belong to you, that the work is finished, and that even on this ascension day, you have uh, rose Uh, You have ascended into heaven where you are seated at the right hand of the Father uh, as one whose work is completed. And may they rest in that fact that there is no more striving, that there is nothing that they could do that could make them cleaner than you have already made them, uh, that they are justified, sanctified, and glorified in your sight. And Lord, we give you the praise for this, for we know that it is not uh, by our by our strivings, by our faith, but it is only by your grace. But we do receive it with faith, and I pray that each day for Poppy and for Aiden that you would continue to help them to walk by faith and not by sight. Pray for their parents that you would continue with them, that you would continue to help them to guide, uh, and for us as their church community that we would do the same. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can rise and just go back and stand. Welcome. And now we'll uh, step forward. You ready? I know Gracie's ready. She was making a break for it there, huh? <laughs> I ask you these questions. You have already made these professions as you have uh, heard the Martins make this morning. Do you believe God's covenant promises? That though your children, and in particular, uh, Millie, Amelia, uh, are conceived and born in sin, that God will be your God and the God of your children, and so present your child uh, for holy baptism as a sign and seal of her reception into the covenant family of God. Do you? And do you promise with the help of God to bring up your child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to pray for her and with her? Uh, And so to order your own lives that you will not cause this little one to stumble, do you? Do you promise to encourage Millie as soon as she is able to comprehend its significance, to confess her own faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and to become an ever-increasingly active member in Christ's church, serving faithfully in her fellowship, do you? And by God's grace, have you so kept the vow that you made before God with this previous child that you can take this vow with a sincere and with a clear conscience, have you? 
All right, why don't you step forward? Grandpa, you want to step forward a little bit too? Get a little closer? You got a dual role as an elder. Which name is given this child? Amelia Cruz. Amelia Cruz Tenney. Congregation of Christ Church, I ask you, do you receive this little one as an infant member of Christ Church? Do you promise to love her and care for her? Do you promise to order your own lives in a similar way that she would see from an early time uh, the reality of personal uh, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and a personal relationship so that she might be encouraged to follow after Jesus as well. If this is your uh, intention, answer from the bottom of your heart with a hearty amen. Amen. Amelia Cruz Tenney, child of the covenant, loved of God, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh Lord, it gives us a great joy to know that in your sojourn here on earth, uh, you welcomed the little children to come to you and you told your disciples uh, to not forbid them. Lord, you've reminded us that none of us uh, come into the kingdom unless we become like little children. Uh, and as cute as Amelia is this morning, it doesn't mean that we become cute, but rather that we become helpless. Uh, rather that we acknowledge our limitations, rather we acknowledge that we need someone to wash us. And we are so grateful that you have. We're grateful for the promises that are yes and amen in Jesus. And Lord, we pray that as she grows, she would come to know these promises through her parents, through her grandparents, uh, through the testimony of this church. We pray that her faith would rise and that she would grasp these promises uh, for her own as sweet and precious above all that you offer us in this world. Father, we do pray that this morning we all would be encouraged in our own baptisms to know that you are a God who meets us uh, when we cannot do for ourselves. We thank you for David and Keeley, uh, for Gracie, for them bringing Amelia here this morning. And we pray now that they would be encouraged, uh, not least of all, by their fellowship with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just step back a little bit and I encourage the elders to just continue to extend the right hand of fellowship to all of you and encourage you to do the same as well. It is always a good morning when we have the opportunity uh, to see these signs, sensible signs. Sometimes our faith can be so nebulous, but the God gives us these sensible signs to remind us of who we belong to. We're going to respond by singing Psalm 146, Hallelujah, Praise Jehovah, O my soul, Jehovah Praise, it's Trinity Hymnal number 57. If you can turn to that, just a moment, we'll rise in body and or spirit. So grateful to the folks at the church that prepare these quilts uh, for our infants, and we have a certificate as well as a book uh, for Aiden and Poppy. Hymn number 57. Let's rise in body and or spirit.
Amen. You may be seated. We're going to do things a little bit differently this morning, a little bit in the interest of time. Michael's doing a great job, but I dismissed him already. Uh, that's not a sign of things to come. One of the greatest baseball games that I ever watched uh, was Game 6 of the 2011 World Series. Uh, it was uh, a game between the Texas Rangers and the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, it was taking place in St. Louis. Uh, the Cardinals were down in the series, three games to two. Uh, and they were down in the game to their very last strike. They were behind seven to four. Uh, there were two outs in the ninth inning when the hometown boy, David Freeze, uh, came to bat. He had two strikes on him, and things were looking grim for Redbird Nation. It was uh, an unlikely place for Freeze to come up in. He had not had a good game up until that point. If you were to look at his box score, you would see that he was 0 for 3 with a walk. Uh, he had one strikeout, and he had the most egregious error. Uh, I mean, it was a little league error, an easy pop fly. He's playing third base. And he took his eyes off the ball, and it hit him in the head, uh, land toward, or led towards a couple of unearned runs that had put the cards in that hole. But the pitch came. Uh, and he drove the pitch uh, to the opposite field, off the right field wall in front of Nelson Cruz. Two runs came in to score, and it was a dramatic reversal of fortunes for the Cardinals. One strike away from going home for the season, now the game is tied. But it wasn't over yet, because in the 10th inning, Texas hit a two-run homer. The Cardinals were once again two outs, uh, down to their last at bat. Uh, a single drove in the tying run. And we could breathe again in St. Louis. Uh, we were all on the edge of our feet. And then uh, in the, the 11th inning, the top of the 11, or the bottom of the 11th inning, David Freeze came up one more time. Uh, and this time, the pitch that he got, he drove deep into the St. Louis night. It landed on the batter's eye in, in center field. And a hero was born. Uh, he will never have to buy another meal in St. Louis. Uh, the game uh, was over, came back, they won game seven, uh, another world championship for the St. Louis Cardinals. I share that with you because it speaks to us uh, of the reversals that we experience in life. I mean, what had been a house of horrors uh, for Freeze up until that point in the ninth inning uh, errors, strikeouts, uh, 0 for whatever, became a field of dreams uh, as, he began, as he responded, as he hit the triple, as he hit the home run that eventually led to the Cardinals winning the World Series. And we see this exact same uh, or a similar type of thing happening here in 1 Samuel chapter 7. If you remember, Back in chapter 4, uh, 5, and 6, we are at a place uh, 
Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. This is in chapter 4, verse 1. They encamped at Ebenezer. The, the Philistines encamped at, uh, at Aphek. They went into battle. The Philistines won. It says in chapter 5, verse 1, the Philistines captured the ark of God and they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. We looked at that last week. Ebenezer was a, a place of bitter, bitter defeat. Not only did they lose uh, the ark, they lost 34,000 Israelites on that day. The, the, the field was scattered with bodies of, of dead Israelites. Uh, and yet, and yet, all seemed dark, but yet there is hope. And that's what we see here in chapter 7, because we come back to Ebenezer, but we realize that God is reversing the fortunes of Israel uh, in the way that Hannah talked about in her song, the, the feeble shall bind on strength. Let me read for you a, a little bit here from 1 Samuel 1. We'll dive into it and we'll read the rest of the chapter as we go. Beginning at verse 1, the men of Kirith-Jerim came. They took the ark of the Lord, which you remember at the end of chapter 6 has been returned uh, into Beth Shemesh. But the people of Beth Shemesh, they're, they're not so great with having the ark there. there was, uh, people lost their life. So the men of Kirith-Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord, and they brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill. And they consecrated his son Eleazar to have charge of the ark. From the day that the ark was lodged at Kirith-Jerim, a long time passed, some 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, if you're returning to the Lord with all of your heart, then put away the foreign gods, the Asheroth from among you, direct your heart to the Lord, serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. Thus far for now, in the reading of God, this is the word of the Lord. Lord Jesus, as we open this word, we pray that you would open our hearts um, and that you would reveal to us the wonderful things that are in your law. Amen. From Ebenezer to Ebenezer, uh, we're going to see a little bit later in this passage, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, that the Lord is going to accomplish a great victory over the Philistines on behalf of his people. They're going to set up a stone and they're going to call it Ebenezer, the name of the place. You see in verse 12, Samuel took a stone, set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, for he said... Thus far, hitherto, till now, the Lord has helped us. Uh, from Ebenezer to Ebenezer. There are two Ebenezers that are in mind here. The first, as I've already mentioned, is a field of great loss. Uh, it's, a, it's a field of tragedy. It's a field that is marked by desolation. The second Ebenezer is a field uh, of victory. It's a field of conquest. It's a field of deliverance. And this, in so many ways, reflects our lives. We, we go from 
from Ebenezer to Ebenezer. We go from losses to gains, sometimes back to losses and desolations and back to gains. So I want to walk through this, kind of understand it a little bit more, not just with our heads, but definitely with our hearts, for Samuel directs us to direct our hearts towards the Lord. First of all, then, Ebenezer number one, this, this field uh, of desolation, this field of losses and failures. Uh, for the Israelites, uh, it's marked by both loss and failure. Loss, just think of all that they lost uh, on Ebenezer number one. They, they lost leadership. Uh, Hophni, Phinehas, Eli, they, they all died as a result of the battle that took place uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 4. Uh, they lost the ark. They had taken the ark, the symbol of God's presence, this uh, holy... Uh, uh, Sim, uh, this holy symbol that, that spoke to the Israelites that Yahweh was their God. It was taken captive into uh, the land of the Philistines. After God, of course, won his victory over the Philistines, God Dagon there, and the ark is returned, notice, though, the, the Israelites aren't quite sanguine with that. They're, they're, they're uneasy as to what to do with the ark, and so they send it away. They, they send it up into this land of kirith this into this hill country. It's, it's out of the beaten path. They, they put the ark, as it were, out of sight. Uh, the, the presence of the Lord is not among them in a significant way. And we notice then that not only do they experience sort of the loss of 1 Samuel 4 to 6, but they also have to deal with their own failures, their own sin. Uh, because in a 20-year period, as we see in this passage here, they continue to play around with the Baals and the Asherahs, uh, the, the gods of the Philistine people, uh, the gods that are no gods, the gods that, that take from them, that demand from them, the gods that would lead them astray, and they come to a place of pain. You see that in verse 2, a long time passed, some 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Uh, they're crying out in pain. Some of you are familiar with the cycle of the judges. Uh, I call it the A, B, C, D, E cycle. Uh, apostasy, uh, bondage, crying out, uh, deliverance, ease. That's kind of the cycle of the judges. And, and here we, we see that same thing. There is apostasy. They've, they've left God. They've pursued Baals and Asherahs. They, they know the bondage of the Philistines. They know the desolation. They know the loss. And now they're crying out, uh, crying out in pain, crying out you know, for deliverance. And that is what we will see being played out later on. This is such a, a picture of our own life. Uh, we, we constantly are feeling the effects of Ebenezer number one. We're feeling the effects of loss and failure in our lives. 
You know, Michael began uh, this, uh, our, our worship this morning, just reminding us that this week we lost three uh, stalwarts in the PCA between Steve Smallman, Harry Reeder, and of course, Tim Keller. I, you know, it was weird. I've met all three of those people, talked to them at different times, not close relationally to any of them, but have definitely benefited uh, from their ministry in, in our life, in, in my life. Uh, and, you know, you hear these things and you process them, but it just really hit me last night as I was praying over this and preparing this, like the loss that is there. Um, these are, you know, religious folks that play a, a role in their lives in a particular way, but, but you know that loss. Uh, some of you have, have buried children this week, and we've buried our friend, Art Veltman, and they're just holes in our lives as, as we go. We, we know what that loss is, but we also know what the failure is. Uh, the failure in our life, you know, Samuel is, is very clear here in verses uh, 3 and 4. He says, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Asheroths from among you. Direct your heart to the Lord. Serve him only. You know, Joel says, rend your hearts and not your garments. Uh, we can go through a lot of religious ritual. We can cry out in pain. But there is a question of our hearts. Uh, will, will you put away the foreign gods? Will you put away the Asherahs? Israel had themselves to blame for, for their losses, for their failures, for what they were experiencing as much as they could blame the Philistines. And we recognize this in our life too. There are so many ways in which this week I and I'm sure you can testify to our failure. Uh, to, to love God above all. We can testify to our willingness to step out in our own strength. We can testify to uh, the anger that we have harbored, to the derision that we have had for others who are made in the image of God. Like These are hourly occurrences <laughs> in my life. Uh, you know, the, we, we constantly are going towards other gods. Maybe they're not idolic in form, but they certainly uh, have rule in our hearts and in our senses. And part of what we need to recognize about this Ebenezer number one is that uh, our losses are often a, a result of our own failures, and that leads to pain. But the story is not over, because you see a tremendous reversal here. And again, this is the theme music that is coming from Hannah's song. The feeble will bind on strength, not by might, not by strength will you uh, gain the victory, but rather it is through the Lord. So Samuel calls them all together, um, picking up in verse 5, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah, they drew water, they poured it out before the Lord, fasted on the day, and they said there, We've sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. 
Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So they're there, they're unarmed, all of the nation, they're there to worship. The, the lords of the Philistines say, great opportunity, we are going to go and we are going to defeat these Israelites. The people of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Such a different response. Before they said, you know, what can we do? I know, we'll get the ark. We'll bring the ark and, and that will be the thing that brings us victory. But now they say, we can't do anything. Uh, will you cry out to the Lord for us. So Samuel took a nursing lamb, offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord, and Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. And Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, uh, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord thundered with a mighty shout that or mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were routed from before Israel. The men of Israel went out from Mizpah. They pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen and he called its name Ebenezer for he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored from Ekron to Gath, and Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, to Gilgal, to Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there, and, he also, and there also he judged Israel. And he built an altar to the Lord. You see the situation here. This is Ebenezer number two. Uh, the, the people of Israel are in a very vulnerable situation. And, and as I noted for you, they, they cry out uh, to the Lord through Samuel. Uh, they cry out and they say, you know, we, we need help. We need deliverance. And, and God thunders. If you remember back in, in chapter 2, verse 10, I, I said that we would keep coming back to these themes of Hannah's song. In chapter 2, verse 10, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. And, and God does just that. He doesn't raise a sword. He doesn't raise a spear. He thunders in the heavens. He puts the Philistines to confusion, and the route is on. Uh, the route is on. The Israelites chase, they destroy, they take care of their adversaries that are in the land all the way to Beth Carr. It's a tremendous victory. You know, what had been a house of horrors now becomes a, a field of dreams. What had been characterized by failure now is characterized by conquest and victory. This is exceptionally good news this morning because all of us can stand here and talk about uh, our losses and our failures. 
You know, we mentioned those just a little bit more, but I, or a little bit ago, but I know that, that for some of you, like that is the biggest thing that is on your mind, on your heart as you come in. I mean, you are all too aware of what goes on in the deep recesses of your hearts. And, and there is a question, is, is there any hope for us? Is there any promise that remains? Is there any deliverance for someone like me? And, and the testimony of this passage is yes, amen, and absolutely. What, what is the path to that deliverance? Uh, three things I want to highlight for you. Uh, one is it's fueled by the word. It's there in this passage, but within verse 3, uh, and then in verses, I think it's 15 and 16, the last two verses of the chapter, you see Samuel speaking, Samuel judging, Samuel proclaiming the word of the Lord, setting up places of worship. This is Samuel's job uh, in the community. Notice that, that Samuel, we'll return to this in a minute, but Samuel never picks up a sword. Samuel doesn't do any mighty acts, but he is bringing the word of God into the community. Do, do we have that kind of trust in the word of God to affect the kind of reversal, change, victory, uh, conquest that we desired? Uh, if we really want to experience God, we, we need to humbly come before his word. I was just listening to a podcast uh, this week. I can share it with you sometime. But they were, uh, they were talking about um, the de-churching of America. Uh, 40 million evangelicals, uh, 40 million, million evangelicals have left the church in the last uh, generation, uh, left the evangelical church in particular. Of those 40 million, um, 10 million of them no longer accept the scriptures as authoritative. Uh, and, and, you know, part of their, their de-churching has been also just a movement away from the word. Part of what this passage is calling us to is to appreciate the power of the word in our lives. Uh, it's why we do expository preaching. It's why we have multiple Bible studies week after week. It's why we're teaching our kids in Sunday school and youth group and all of this. Uh, you know, more than a ski trip, uh, we can offer people the word of God. Not that ski trips don't have places, they, they do. But the word of God has got to be central, uh, and, and Samuel helps us to see that. Secondly, you, you know, this path of, of uh, Ebenezer number two, fueled by the word, it's characterized by repentance uh, and surrender. Uh, these two things, young people, those of you who have gone through that communicants class, two things in, in, when we talk about conversion. Uh, and those are faith and repentance. You remember that? Uh, adults, you may remember that too. You see that so clearly here in what Samuel is calling the people to. If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, and he says is because 
You know, Hosea says we, we can wail from our beds, but not cry from our hearts. Uh, it's similar to what Joel is saying. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Don't react just to the pain that is in your life, but react to, to the deep, deep places where, where your relationship with God is. Uh, Samuel says, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Asheroth from among you. Notice that those are in plural. Uh, there are many gods, many Asheroth among you. And direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. Repentance turning from, faith turning to. Uh, turning from the foreign gods, turning to, directing your heart to the Lord only. And this is the grace that is uh, available to all of us, that we would know God in this way, recognizing him as our only hope. You know, as these young people, as you heard, uh, you know, Kevin and Sarah make uh, testimony to the fact that you have no hope except for through God's sovereign mercy. Uh, that, that is our only hope in life and death. Uh, and that is what Samuel calls the people to. And, and this, is the, uh, this is the place where Israel will experience deliverance when they are submitted to God, when, when they are helpless in themselves. Nothing in my hands I bring simply to your cross I cling. When they are there, then they're ready to see God work. Third thing that we just observe about this is that it is sealed uh, by an intercessor, by a mediator. Samuel uh, takes a, a lamb, he sacrifices the lamb, he prays for the people. The people say, don't stop praying for us. You know, they, they recognize that, that they need somebody outside of themselves in order to experience deliverance that they really and truly long for. And of course, it's here that we see the Lord Jesus Christ. Samuel had to take a lamb. Uh, Samuel could cry out to Yahweh. But in Jesus, especially on this ascension day, we have the lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world. We have the intercessor who is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is continually interceding for you and for me. What, what a glorious picture. What a wonderful truth as we go through. We, we come in here marked by failure. We come in here overwhelmed with loss. And what we see is a God who meets us in our weakness. And he says, it's not by might that you will prevail. But it's rather when you recognize your limitations and you cry out to me, that you will find the deliverer that you need. You know, though Ebenezer be filled with graves... This Ebenezer will stand to the glory of God. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this.
uh, the story, these truths. We thank you for its power to reach us on uh, a day like this morning. Lord, every day we come and we need to hear afresh again. We need to hear afresh again that, that we are not the sum of our losses and failures but that you are a God who thunders from the heavens. And you have thundered most clearly in the person and work of Jesus. You have conquered all of his and our enemies. You have put them to rout. And we now, by faith, uh, stand connected to our great champion. And we give you thanks for that. Lord, we pray that you would help us to continue to live in that Uh, that we would raise our Ebenezers uh, to your faithfulness. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Stone of help is technically what Ebenezer means. I think you can get that sense from the story that we've gone through this morning. Let's sing of it now. Hymn number 457, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Let's stand in body and or spirit. Seated. 
Welcome again. We have the red uh, registration pads on the end of each row. If you could pass them down and back again. Just before we go to prayer this morning, we want to pause on this last day of our Sunday school season and just give uh, thanks and appreciation to those who have so faithfully taught throughout the year, particularly with our children and our youth. You know, we take these baptismal vows as we do with Millie, and we promise to, to love and care for them and all of the different things. Um, teaching Sunday school, uh, being involved in their education is, is part of fulfilling that vow. And uh, so we just want to recognize our, our Sunday school teachers, our Christ kids, worship leaders, uh, our youth group, uh, Sunday school teachers, youth group leaders, all of those different folks, and, and thank them for their service. So if, you, if that describes you, or if you're on the children's ministry team, would you just stand a moment so that we can recognize you? The, uh, of course, Debbie Bukovietsky, who happened to be out of town today, but uh, leads us so well in that. We're very, very grateful, and we, we give thanks to God, truly, uh, for the gifts that he gives that uh, we share together as a community as we seek to follow the Lord. Uh, let's pray now as we get ready to bring our own gifts into um, the Lord's storehouse. Lord, as we come to you this morning, we're mindful of so many things. Uh, as we've encountered them in the worship service this morning, we're mindful of what it is to walk with you. We're mindful of what it is to be a community. We're mindful of um, victories and losses, uh, of failures, of conquests. We're, we're mindful of all of these things. Lord, we're thankful for the gifts that you give us this morning as we uh, just take a moment and we come to the end of a season. We recognize those who have faithfully and diligently taught among our young people, children, all the way down into the nursery levels. We're, we're so grateful for their care, for their tenderness, for the ways that they have engaged uh, our youth. Lord, we recognize that we are all on a journey and we continue to pray for the infants, children, and young people of this congregation that because of the things that they experience here in the halls and in the classrooms, uh, that they would continue to find you to be real, to be vibrant, to be relevant to their lives, that they would find you to be, be true. And we pray that you would place your blessing on all of the lessons that have been taught this year and that they would truly find purchase in the hearts of our children and our youth. Father, we uh, continue to commend ourselves to you as a congregation. Uh, we think of the losses that we have endured recently. We, we think of uh, the family of Art Veltman, who we laid to rest earlier this week. We think of Arnie and Lois Rich, who had to lay their daughter to rest this week. Lord, these 
are, are very difficult things. These leave holes in our life. We think about our denomination who is, uh, has lost three, three folks that have been so key and instrumental in our history uh, and Steve Smallman and Harry Reeder and, and Tim Keller. We pray for the families of these men and we ask that you would be close to them. And Lord, we pray that as we hear of these passings that we might not be driven to despair, but we would be driven closer to you. We recognize that what made these men special, what made these men significant in our lives was your presence in their lives. And may we stand and say, this is our Ebenezer, that hitherto the Lord has brought us this far, and you will continue with us. So Lord, receive these gifts now. We offer them in the name of Christ, in Jesus' name, amen.
Let's stand together. Body or spirit, respond with the doxology. you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. May you go out this week and may your Ebenezer's be turned to Ebenezer's. May your failures and losses be turned to victories and conquests through the finished work of Jesus. Amen.